Welcome to Wistful Thinking. I'm Carrie Gail O'Regan. With me is my co-host, Jordan Poling-Clark. Hi. And today, we're going to be talking about the classic from 1996, Biodome, starring Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin. I have a problem also, with the word classic. <laughs> and also, a very tiny Kylie Minogue. She's so little. I know. It's... Uh, there's like a lot of people in this. <laughs> there is. That are like, is. what are they doing in this? But like, you know, um, we're trying to continue on the theme of, what was our theme? <laughs> uh, well, we did Fern Gully last time. So it's like a vaguely environmental theme. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Biodome, uh, like I said, stars Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin as moronic best friends who get themselves locked inside of the biodome, a science experiment, along with a group of environmental scientists for one year. So this is like uh, this like self-contained, multi-zoned, fake ecosystems that they're living inside of as an experiment to learn more about the Earth and how to, I guess, eventually live on an earth that's full of poison <laughs> you know if we can just build biodomes we'll be fine or we could do it on another planet did you know that there was actually a real biodome in arizona i did know that yes uh it was called biosphere 2 i was reading the wikipedia article before you jumped on the line and i did not realize something very crazy so the biosphere 2 had like two runs. The first one was two years long from 1991 to 1993. And then the second time they were going to run the experiment was from March to September of 1994. They actually had to cut the second one short um, because two guys broke in and they destroyed the the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, not exactly. Uh, Although that is the plot of the movie Biodome. But, um, in Biosphere 2, on the second one, uh, people from the first mission actually did try and, like, sabotage the second one, but they claimed that it wasn't actually sabotage. They were just, like, really concerned for the safety of the people inside because there was this hostile takeover by none other than Steve Bannon, formerly of the Trump administration, what? who we've come How? to know Why? and hate. Yeah, so uh, on April 1st, 1994, a severe dispute within the management team. So these are the people outside who are, you know, running this experiment. Led to the ousting of the on-site management by federal marshals serving a restraining order, financier Ed Bass hired Stephen Bannon, then manager of the Bannon & Co., which was an investment banking team from Beverly Hills, to run this space biosphere ventures. Uh, Some biospherians and staff were concerned about Bannon, with, of course, good reason, uh, who had previously investigated cost overruns at the site. Two former biosphere crew members flew back to Arizona to protest the hire and then broke into the compound to warn the current members that Bannon and the new management would jeopardize their safety because they were trying to cut costs and stuff, which could have, like, been, you know, dangerous for the people inside. It just, like, blew my mind when I saw his name come up in this article because I had no idea. What a world we live in. What a world, indeed. 
Okay, so if you're hearing our voices and you're thinking back to 1996 when Biodome came out and you were like 10 or 11 or 8 or 9 and you saw this movie and you thought, huh, funny movie, you're wrong and don't watch it again. I disagree. This movie is, I think, is the worst movie we've ever watched for this podcast. And Even worse than King Cole's Party. It, it's different than King Cole's Party. Like, That's for what point. King Cole's Party is trying to be, it's fine. For what this mm-hmm. is trying to be, it's not fine. And this, so this movie has um, one of the ten lowest scores on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it has some other, like, really incredible, like, it's so bad it gets lumped in with this, but I can't remember what the metric is. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, here's where it, like, really lost me, though. Um, When um, Stephen Baldwin bites his own toenail, I was like, I cannot be on board with this movie anymore. I did have to cover my eyes. That was deeply upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. That was the worst part for me, but there was a lot of other bad parts. Um, But you know what is really good in this movie? The shitty punk soundtrack. (laughs) That was my favorite part. Yeah. I actually love this movie. Um, Why? I think it requires, it requires two things. One, you need to just open your heart to Polly Shore. But like, no, 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 no. Okay, hold on. Your hold heart on. Open. Hold on. Because my heart is open to Polly Shore. Like, this was my idea. But, like, and I, like, I'm always so fascinated when you like these movies because I'm always like, <laughs> Let's do this, you know, whatever movie. And you're like, I can't. I can't watch any more dumb white dudes. This is the Oh, no, but I dumbest, was excited about Biodome. Dumb, no, I know you were. You you did go into it with more of an open heart. But, like, this is this movie is disgusting. Like, there is, <laughs> like, there's no reason. Like, it, it's, like, I'm all for a dumb dude who serves a purpose, like a comical mm-hmm. purpose or whatever. But they're just, like, dumb, rapey, disrespectful, and the women in the movie behave as if that's the hottest thing they've ever seen. <laughs> like, I just, like, I cannot be on board with that. Like, they get into bed with the women scientists while they are sleeping and touch yeah, well, them. Well, that was not okay. Like, yeah. no thank you. And, like, their girlfriends are incredible. Their girlfriends are played by Joey Lauren Adams and some woman whose name I forgot because <laughs> she's not in a lot of other stuff. Um, yeah. But they just, they're, they're kind of dumb, too. Um, but mm-hmm. they have these, like, gigantic, beautiful hearts. And mm-hmm. they're like, and also they're extremely and hot. they're so hot when jo- like Joy Lord remember the shirt she wore that the green one the green one yeah with like the big <laughs> hole in it like I want that shirt right now it's so cute mm-hmm. um and like trashy and amazing it's perfect um and they're just with these dumbass dudes who just like are the worst yeah well all of that is true um. But I said that there was two things. One was opening your heart to Polly Shore. The second thing is being extremely stoned. Uh, that is the only way to watch this movie. I watched it sober. I guess I made a mistake. Uh, uh, Nathan Rabin wrote for the AV Club, quote, Biodome opens with a bright, shiny assault of rapid fire images with an immediate message. Well, I do like the Don't... opening part. That part was good. 
don't watch this film unless you're really, really high. Everything else about the film reinforces this message. Biodome is far too sacred. Some might even say religious experience to be wasted on the sober and lucid. It is an invitation to turn off your brain, preferably with the aid of a mood-altering substance, recalibrate your attention span to non-existent, and give in to your inner moron. But it wasn't even, like, I tried, okay, I was not stoned. I was but I tried to do that. Like, I really wanted to be able to do that. And, like, it was just, like, it wasn't fun. It, this movie is not fun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had such a bad experience No, I wanted it. to. I wanted to, like, it. There was just, like, too many parts that I was, like, ew. Like, ew, 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 ew. Because, like, I mean, you know, it just makes me angry that, like, Mm-hmm. somebody sat down and wrote this and got paid a lot of money to write it and was like well all of this of is a very did. good idea and like no it this was never a good idea yeah it had several writers i think uh which is part of why it's weird and bad you know like when too many people work on a script it loses any sort of cohesion um but yeah no i mean like i said all of the things you're saying are true I just feel differently. <laughs> and so does Stephen Baldwin, who in his memoir claimed that it was part of God's plan for his life for him to ignore the oh advice my God, of his managers he's a nutcase. and make a movie that was universally panned by the critics. Yes, God wanted me to star in a film about two brainless slackers who spend their days watching television, making out with their girlfriends, and drinking large quantities of various substances. The film was brainless and pointless and hilarious, and God wanted me to make it. I didn't think that at the time. Making Biodome played right into my usual let's-have-a-good-time attitude. God had other plans. I just didn't know it at the time. Okay, yeah, but here's why he thinks it's God's plan. Because now, so he got all, like, born again and religious, cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. And now people, like, young people come up to him and they're like, yo, I love Biodome. And he's like, cool, let me tell you about God. Like, he basically, he's like, he's like, Biodome gets kids to talk to me and then I tell them yeah, about he said, God. <clears throat> he said, God made me... God had me make this film to give me the platform that would later become my life's work. At the time, I just wanted to goof off with Polly Shore for a couple months. God knew that. And he also knew the plans he had for my life. Plans he made sure came to pass. Oh, boy. Yeah, no. Stephen Baldwin, uh, Justin Bieber's uh, father-in-law now. <laughs> yeah, he also lives near here. I've seen him at the mall He lives in Nyack, times. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was, like, a big local news item when Haley and Justin came to, like, visit him. And people were like, oh, my God, Justin Bieber's and I Wait, okay, so this is, like, tangentially related. Can I go off on a thing for a second? It's a it's Yeah, Baldwin I mean, related. there's not a lot of stuff to talk about with this So, movie, like, so. I, I feel, I, like, the, like, I read, I Googled a little bit about this movie, read a little bit about Stephen Baldwin, um, and... He just like seems awful, <laughs> like yeah. just like really nuts, like just awful in so many ways. I think most of the Baldwin. Well, are, okay, if so not all of them. so they just did like the roast of Alec Baldwin, right? Mm. And it's like, are we not past the point of like joking about how this man like abused his family? 
Like his and kids, his coworkers, his, and yeah, like everyone like he's ever come in contact kid with is up there joking about it, and it's like, oh boy, I don't know, like if that's something you want to do in your own time, but maybe we don't need to like commodify that and sell it and like mm-hmm. act like it's fun because it's not. Yeah, well, I don't like roasts in general. I find them too mean. Don't appreciate it. Uh, but this is America, goddammit. If we can commodify something, we're gonna. It's just like, it's infuriating. Like, I just don't get how, it, it's just so, like, hypocritical at this point that, like, I, it's right. complicated, but, like, there's so, like. Well, because people are being held to account for their abusive behavior, and yet. But not everybody. Hand, we're celebrating others. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For their abusive behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know what, we still love Alec Baldwin because he can make fun of the president better than anyone mm. else. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Which I don't think is true. I, yeah. I don't think his impression is the best one. No, I agree. Like, because it's like lazy at this point. Yeah. All he has to do is like show up, you know, and get and he gets the laugh without really having to um, really go to town on it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. So I feel conflicted about the Baldwins in general. Although um, I feel I feel like this is a thing that I should hate based on everything that I just said. But like I appreciate Stephen Baldwin's like supremely 90s style in this movie. <laughs> His hair yeah. is terrible. He wears mm-hmm. a puka shell necklace the whole time. It's just like it's so awful. It's perfect. I mean let's talk about the necklaces. I You always say that I like notice things in movies that like no one else notices and it's true and it's distracting and actually kind of annoying for me um now that I am now that I have a job where I'm selling jewelry I'm like thinking more about jewelry because I've never worn jewelry before and I happen to notice while watching this movie that Billy not Billy Baldwin I keep thinking it's Billy Baldwin but is Billy Baldwin one of them it's yeah he's another one I think okay I don't know, actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I don't know if he's actually part of that, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Stephen Baldwin is in this movie, Brain, remember. Okay. Um, He is wearing a fantastic layered look of necklaces where he has, actually, let me pull up the picture so I can describe it better. Um, He's wearing three necklaces, which we are encouraged to do at my job so that we can sell people more necklaces. That's so, like... (laughs) Not tre- I feel like that's so not trending today. I feel like that's so like nineteen ninety nine to wear multiple necklaces. Um. Well, I don't know if you know this, but nineteen ninety nine is big in fashion oh, right I now. I guess that's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's wearing. I don't know. That's not necessarily a puka shell necklace, but it's some kind of shells. And then he has a slightly longer necklace that has the name of his girlfriend in like little letter blocks on it. And then his third longer necklace is just a steel chain, like you would use to like lock up a bike, and complete. With charms and everything. He's actually wearing a charm necklace that has a rabbit's foot, a bottle opener, a skull keychain, and an eight ball keychain on it. And it made me laugh so hard. I did. I only noticed the shell one. Thank you for (laughs) pointing out all the other ones. Yeah. Actually, I think all of the costumes, like the costumes in this are one of the better aspects of the film, like craft wise. Um, The scientists all have these like tan jumpsuits that they're wearing. And once Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin like commit 
to being part of the experiment and they decide to like buckle down and make this work they paint their own jumpsuits these like blue and green and yellow colors and I love them a lot I'm always looking for like a good pair of coveralls and they are wearing some cool coveralls I didn't even notice that they made their own I didn't notice I got like checked out of this movie pretty fast and every once in a while (laughs) I would like check back in yeah. Did you see Stephen Baldwin, Baldwin's back handspring? Mm, I don't know which part is it at. I think so. It's towards the beginning. I think like when they're tr- when Polly Shore is like about to hit him in the head with something so they can get out of going to that Earth Day celebration. I did watch that part, but I don't remember a back handspring. <laughs> yeah. There's another part where he makes like a threatening like like you know, like he's going to do some martial arts and it was captioned as martial arts yell. That <laughs> Where, okay, I keep reading that Rose McGowan is in this. Where is Rose yeah. McGowan? She, uh, she gives him the flyer for that party, like when they're like on campus to the girls. Oh, I do remember that part. Been... It must, was it very fast? It was very fast. And then she shows up again towards the end of the movie, I think. She's not in it a ton, though. Um, Tenacious D makes their on-screen debut mm-hmm. in this movie, and they're they're cute in it. They're always they sing cute. a little yeah. song. They look cute and young. Um, um, what's his name is in this? Help! He's great, and we've seen him in things before. Um, 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 um Taylor Negron is in this. Oh, yeah, Taylor Negrin. He uh, is one of, like, Amy Heckerling's preferred, like, bit players. So he shows up in small parts in, like, most of her movies, which is cool. This is, stop talking about this like it's an Amy Heckerling movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just happened to mention it. That's all. Um, I feel, well, I feel like we've watched him in something before for the podcast. Oh, yeah, I'm but sure. He it? shows up in all sorts of stuff. I know. He... Oh, you know who else is in this? Bill Clinton's brother, Roger Clinton, the fuck up. Really? Where? Mm-hmm. Uh, when the girls come to the biodome to talk to the guys, like, through the glass, and then some guy, like, comes up to them, and I feel like... One of them signs his T-shirt, like Joey Lauren yeah, Adams signs his T-shirt. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, that was Roger Clinton. Okay, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at who else was in this. Oh, Phil Lamar, uh, is like a, not an extra, oh, but oh, he was on Mad TV, like an extra guy. Yeah, yeah I remember him. What what happened to Joy Lord and Adams? Uh, she looks too much like Renee Zellweger, and there can only be one. But she do- she doesn't anymore because I feel like they must both look like wildly different now from how they used to. Oh, I'm sure they do, but I think like you know during their ingenue period, they just looked too much alike. Like Renee you Zellweger I mean? is making her comeback. Yeah, I mean, and maybe Joy Lord and Adams will make hers at some point. Because I really... I she does. Like, I like her more. Uh, yeah, well, I like them both. But, like, I just really appreciate her ability to, like, 
yell at men kind of mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I mean because she's in all those Kevin Smith movies and that was like often her role in them yeah I mean that's her entire part in Chasing Amy it's just like what is wrong with you guys she didn't totally go away but I haven't heard of any of these things that she's still in although I guess they're making another Jay and Silent Bob movie mm-hmm. oh it looks like she's done like a lot of TV um, Kylie Minogue, like I mentioned before, so tiny. She's like, everyone is like two heads taller than her she's, when she's standing yeah. next to the scientists. Um, her character is named Petra Von Kant, which is taken from, um, a German movie called The Tears of Petra Von Kant by, a. Uh, Rainier Werner Fassbender um, and it's like this I've not actually seen it because it's two hours long and in German but um, it's like I don't know about this like fashion designer who has all of these relationships with women um, but I when they like introduced her character I had to pause it and rewind it to make sure that that was actually her name. It made me laugh hard because it's just like such a weird that's a very, reference that's for a movie very like weird. this. Yeah. And then like one of the other scientists was named Faulkner. And then there was another one. Um, oh, uh, Romulus, which was like the first king of Rome. So some weird character names in here um, that are like, you know, smarter than what you would expect given the content of the rest of the movie. There's nothing, like, I wanted to, like, look up the, like, director and writer and be like, wow, they went on to make more spectacular garbage (laughs) or, like, oh, wow, they made that after this, but they're both, like, really unremarkable. Yeah, no one did. Oh, you know who else was in this in a bit part is Patty Hearst. She plays uh, Stephen Baldwin's mother. Or, no. Wait, which one's Doyle? Doyle is Stephen Baldwin? Yeah, yeah. Doyle is Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bud is Polly Shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, directed by Jason Bloom. Ooh. Has it? Oh my goodness! He directed nine episodes of I Zombie. Yeah, he's a, like a show he's that like I love a, very much. He's a pretty successful team. Well, he he must work with Rob Thomas because also yeah, Veronica he Mars. Also did Veronica Mars. Yeah. So like you know, I guess that's an improvement, but you know, nothing crazy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the writers, Adam Leff. Worked on Last Action Hero, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and PCU, which are both movies that I've seen. But yeah, his credits are very short. Did he die? I don't know. <laughs> it would say, it uh, would say if he died. <laughs> either died or just people were like, all of these movies are bad, go away. Um, yeah, next writer, very short. Okay, one of the... Guys credited with the screenplay has done a bunch of Grey's Anatomy. And the other guy... I've never heard of any of these movies that he's known for, except for Biodome. (laughs) Interesting. I'm curious when this came out, like, in the context of Polly Shore's 
run in the 90s because he had like a string of movies like in the army now and encino man and son-in-law and stuff so this was i feel like this was the last one yeah that's what i'm looking to see because it very well might have been (laughs) yeah i mean this was like it looks like this was like kind of the last movie that he was allowed to make (laughs) Yeah, and then he did do a TV series called Polly, where he was the um, the lead. Yeah, so let's see. And Sino Man, I think, was the first. That was 92. Son-in-law, 93. In the Army Now, 94. Goofy Movie, 95. Jury Duty, 95. Biodome, 96. Interesting. What happens... Okay, so... Like, in the land, like, before streaming media, right, mm-hmm. movies could get released, like, straight to video or straight to DVD. Yep. What happens now? <laughs> uh, straight to VOD, video on demand. So, like, is there a bunch of shitty movies just getting released that way now? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, look at all the shitty movies that Netflix puts out. Yeah, but... you know. Or, like, the so-called Amazon originals where they just, like, buy other people's stuff. uh, Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I don't think of those as as shitty as, like, a movie that would have gone direct to DVD in, like, the 90s or whatever. But maybe Mm -hmm. that's not true. I don't watch them, so. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there are so many, you know, uh, channels of distribution now that, like, didn't exist before that stuff gets re- you know like people stuff put stuff on vimeo and like all these like weird although i think that's starting to but, like, change well yeah because like too, like when but... before streaming like like um, i don't know just like vhs or dvd like that's like one format you would go to one place you know for mm-hmm. example to like find those things right like i miss video stores it, yeah <laughs> um but yeah now it's like with something streaming there's like so many different platforms it could get released on like yeah which on the one hand is great because so many like so it it provides opportunities for so much stuff that otherwise wouldn't have gotten distribution in the past but on the other hand there's just so much shit that like it's very difficult to like get seen like even if you do get that distribution to like actually get in front of people's eyeballs is like another thing entirely yeah yeah and also i mean you know when it's physical media like it exists in the physical world whereas like so much of this stuff that's only being released in streaming like when Netflix inevitably implodes under the weight of their, like, hundreds of millions of dollars of debt, like, all of that program, all of their original programming is going to disappear forever, basically, unless they're able to, like, sell it off to someplace else. Um, you know, or, or for example, like, with uh, Disney buying up everything, um, they can, like, pick and choose what they want to have streaming or, like, put things in the vault or whatever. So it's, it's like... I think the the age of like 
incredible abundance, digital abundance that we've uh, been lucky enough to experience in recent years where we are getting all of this incredible programming that never would have gotten greenlit or distribution in the past. Like, I think that's starting to turn and it's going to, we're going to go into some dark days, I think, going forward, which is unfortunate. I don't know. I, I've, I, I, I think it's going to get more messed up because every like all the big companies are now catching up to realizing that like they own their shit and like they yeah. shouldn't be giving their shit to like Hulu or Netflix. And so right. they're all trying to do their own thing and they're going to fucking ruin everything by doing that. Um mm-hmm. but I don't I think things will still keep finding a way. Good things will still keep finding a way. Cuz they Life did finds a way. they did even before this too. Mhm. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, but the people have gotten really used to being able to watch whatever they want to watch whenever they want to watch it. And I think that's going to be changing. It's definitely, I mean, it's already so different than it was like, like it was Mm -hmm. so easy to just steal shit 10 years ago. I used to steal everything. And it's like, it's, I mean, I stopped trying to do that, but like it's because it started to get a lot harder. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was, like, I mean, we were just lucky. Like, it should have never been that way. Yeah, that was that was kind of a, a fluke in, like, the, the lag time between the development of technology and the awareness of that tech, awareness and, like, willingness to do something about that technology by these large corporations. Because for so long, like, I, like so many of the major networks were like, we're not going to stream anything. Fuck you, you know? Yeah. And then people started going other places for stuff, and then they had to play catch up. Um, I had yeah. to I mean, download. So I'm obsessed with The Good Place. It's one of my favorite things that I've ever seen. I watch it over and over and over again. I can't wait for it to come back. It makes my heart so happy. Um, oh. And... But so NBC released like all these mini episodes for The Good Place um, this week and I had to download the app to watch them on my phone. Mm -hmm. Like I could, maybe there's another way to watch them, but I couldn't figure out what it was if there was one. And so I had to download their terrible app and just like navigating it. Like they're lucky I love this show as much as I do because navigating (laughs) it to just watch these six two minute episodes like mm-hmm. was a nightmare I hate a that. nightmare <laughs> like it was so bad yeah nothing makes me angrier than like poor user experience yeah i mean especially <laughs> like from, it like, doesn't have to be this way especially from a company that has the money and then in theory should mm-hmm. be able to hire the brains to make it a good oh, user have... experience and they just don't like, yeah, like infinite resources behind NBC Universal or whatever it's called now. I don't know, like whatever conglomerate it is. Um, yeah, they absolutely have the resources to make a an app that not only works but is like easy and not an absolute nightmare to use. And I just don't understand. Like, I mean, I, I think don't understand. Part, I think part of it why. is because, like, based like I so like because of one of my past jobs, I got like a very small window into this. And Mm -hmm. this was like many, many years ago. But like from that very small window, like what I saw was like kind of like 
kind of like an unwillingness to mm-hmm. look outside of your own company like right like if you know the the person who is the best at making this app happen or whatever probably doesn't already work for NBC like you're <laughs> gonna have to go to people who are smarter than you and you're gonna have to pay them a lot of money and you're gonna have to trust them and believe that they're smarter than you even if maybe the boss person does not understand anything that they're mm-hmm. talking about and like it seems like both like an unwillingness to do that and also like um too, too many cooks you know like when you're working in a big mm-hmm. ass company <laughs> there's just too always many cooks too many always cooks. yeah and that yeah. really ruins everything and that's you know yeah. just and based on my limited experience of what I saw I definitely saw yeah. that happen somewhere Absolutely. And you also put your finger on something else, which is that the people, the so-called decision makers, the people who are making choices about how uh, budgets get made and how money gets spent are not, do not have the technical aptitude to even remotely understand what someone is pitching no. them when they're talking and then about, like, you know. And so then that also means they, they, one, have to be smart enough. And, like, every good boss should be able to do this, but so many of them can't or don't. Like, be smart well, enough because so many to... people get promoted beyond their level of, co- well, like, but No, 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 but, like, that's okay. You can be incompetent. I don't care. But if you're <laughs> incompetent, you have to be able to be like, hey, I'm sure that I don't know this. Let's get yeah. someone who does. But so then on yeah. top of having to be able to do that, you have to you have to be able to bring in the right person. The and to right even people. even though you're it's dumb, important. you have to have some way to know that these people are the right people besides right. just the people being like, I'm the right person for this because everybody's going to say that because they want a job yeah. and they want to work and they yeah. probably think they're really smart too. And so yeah. it just gets like so complicated so fast yeah and the the process of app development or even like uh redesigning a website i've worked for so many companies for like years where they're like working on the website we're working on a new website the new website we're working on this new website and like it never launches because again too many cooks but then also just like the like and building an app is even more complicated than a website like um, and I, there are a lot of people and companies out there who are full of shit and are kind of just scamming people because they know that they can say a bunch of technical words and kind of get away with not really delivering on that because no one knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, it drives me nuts. Like, the user experience on the, um, like, in-car interface like uh digital interface in toyotas is so bad like and i and it's been so bad for years and i don't understand why like why they haven't hired somebody to just like make a touch interface that isn't terrible weird i've never even like really been in a car for long enough with a touch interface to like even know what you're talking about well, I think in like 2011, maybe 2012, my mom got a new, I forget which, you know, car it was. And I was like trying to use the GPS and was just like, what the actual fuck? And then I got a Prius in 2014 and it's still bad. And then I was in like another new Toyota recently, somebody else's car and was like, you mean to tell me 
this is still bad in 2019. How is this possible? Because it doesn't, well, first of all, like, it doesn't, like, why would it matter to them? You're going to buy the car anyway. Like, right. it's not like we have so many choices that, you know, yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, that's true. And I think also, like, circling back to app development, like we were talking about, it's uh, more complicated by the fact that they're, it's more than just developing for the iPhone, you know? Like, they're developing for iOS or developing for Android. They maybe are developing for Windows phones. I don't even know if those still exist, you know? And, like, then within that have to, you know, create something that works on all of this different hardware, uh, which is complicated. Technology is complicated, but it doesn't have to be bad to use. Yes. <laughs> it so often is. I, I mean, I've officially, like, I'm officially, like, in the phase of, like, kids younger than me will talk about something. And I'm like, can you explain that to me? I have no idea what you're talking about. And, like, I'll try to be doing something with my phone, and I'll be like, look, I'm sure I can figure this out, but, like, I'm sure you're much smarter at this. Can you yeah, please I help me? Yeah, I don't have the like, I... anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Getting old is hard, especially when, like, the rate of technology continues to carry on. And it's just, it's, I, I don't know if, in human history, we've ever had something that holds up such a mirror to our, like, mortality than, like, the forward advancement of technology. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't I don't feel like I'm missing anything, honestly, by not catching up with it right now. Like, that might change eventually. Well, it'll, it'll change when you've tuned out enough that, like... You've you've missed some giant leap, and everything is unusable to you now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or maybe just like slowly, bit by bit, it becomes more and more uh, foreign to you. I don't like it. I find it very disturbing as a person who's generally good with technology <laughs> to like find myself being like, not only do I not know where to start with this but I don't have the patience anymore to press a bunch of buttons and figure it out well I think that's part of it too is like currently yeah. I just don't have a reason to <laughs> yeah you know it's like it's not required at my job it's not I just I have no reason to but I still have mm -hmm. faith that like if for some reason I had to make a big change I would be able to so I am worried about it well that's good I think also like the older we get the more we realize like how precious time is and how valuable our time is and how we don't have a ton of it like an unlimited amount of it left in our lives so it's like why would I want to spend it you know getting frustrated yeah by this stupid little device that I don't even want to be using I'm just like I, found, I can't remember if we've talked about this on air before while we were recording like I'm just waiting for the like push in the other direction and this is partially because I'm in Vermont but like like I'm just waiting for the push of people who are like fuck all this go hug trees you know <laughs> like well that is always happening I mean that's like 
there's always like an undercurrent of that and I think that the pendulum swings between those two extremes of like isn't technology great and then like technology is terrible and it's ruining everything and we just kind of like you know go back and forth between those two things so but yeah it's definitely uh more prevalent in vermont (laughs) yes where everyone's like fuck this i'm gonna go hug a tree and there's nothing wrong with that that's great i just you know i uh i think that moderation in either direction is important you know not too much technology and not too much of being a luddite either because technology isn't all bad you know it's brought us many wonderful things like the fact that we get to talk to each other remotely every couple weeks and put out this dumb podcast yeah that's really cool technology yeah it's amazing or the fact that like my brain is so broken and full of holes and yet i can still almost function like a normal human being because i can offload a bunch of stuff into my phone and have it at my fingertips at all times instead of just you know trying to function with a swiss cheese brain so that's helpful do you know what you need to watch if you haven't already? What? Unbelievable. What's that? Oh my god. Okay. So, it's based on a true story, which I took me a whole episode to be like, where have I heard this before? I know what's going to happen. How do I know what's going to happen? It was uh it was a well, it started as a ProPublica article and then was in this American Life episode, which is where I heard it. So, it's the story mm-hmm. of a serial rapist um oh fun who was really really smart and would only um commit a crime one time in every county or like area so he was able to like Mm -hmm. bop around for Mm -hmm. a really long time because police departments don't talk to each other and so it's he raped this one woman who had had like a really troubled life you know, in and out of foster care, had been abused, whatever. And the police who handled her case handled it so poorly. And oh, that they basically talked her into retracting her statement because they couldn't find mm-hmm. any evidence to prove that she was telling the truth. And what it really and was... Clearly, she's an unreliable Yeah, narrator. and what it really was was that this guy was just so good that he didn't leave behind any evidence. Um, mm-hmm. And they were just so shit at their jobs that they ruined this poor girl who was already ruined. So, so it follows her, this, the, the series follows her, but then... Like, five years later, maybe less than five years, these two women cops in Colorado, like, just by chance realized that they were both chasing this guy because he had he was in Washington and moved on to Colorado and mm-hmm. started working together, and they catch him eventually. And so the series nice. follows both this poor girl and then also follows these cops you know years later like putting it all Mm -hmm. together and one of the cops is played by um oh my god what's her name tony collette and then the other cop is played by this woman whose name i don't remember and did never heard of before but they are both incredible and it's um all you know, written, directed, produced by women. Uh, the person who wrote the original article and did the original reporting, I think, was still involved. So, like, it's not like it represents like rape and and like the police work of it in a way that 
I've never I've never seen before, mm-hmm. and it's incredible. It's stressful. Yeah, I'm looking like, at the cast right now, this a, is kind of it's a lot. Amazing. It's a lot, and it's I don't think it's yeah. for everybody because like I can handle Where shit like this. Did you watch it? It's on Netflix. Oh okay. It's a it's like eight episodes. Yeah. Um, I've I didn't finish yet. I'm like halfway through. Um, but it's just. Is it Merritt Weaver who plays the other? Cop? Yeah, that sounds right. I love her. I've never she's seen so her good. in anything. She's incredible. Oh, she's yeah, she is really good. She was on uh, Nurse Jackie. She was in that um that Netflix Western show that, that I got really mad about because they said it was yeah about yeah a yeah town without men <laughs> and it was that. entirely about men yeah um but she played a really badass character in that I like her she's cool. Um, she's also in that movie Charlie Says, which is uh, one of the three movies about the Manson murders that came out this year, but the one that's like actually about the women. But I haven't seen that yet, but it's supposed to be good. Um, yeah, I will check this out. It's not usually what I would like to spend my time thinking about, um, but that sounds very good and well executed. Yeah. I mean, listen, which is what matters. Listen to the, this American life episode too. It's like, mm-hmm. it's nuts. I I may have heard that episode, but I'll, I'll listen to it again. That's how Ted Bundy got away with it for so long too. He had actually, um, like worked for the police department and realized that jurisdictions weren't communicating at all and was able to like exploit the knowledge that he gained through being part of this, like, anti-crime task force to then, you know, be a serial murderer. Yeah. Yeah. And he also realized that, like, oh, wow, people don't care about women. Cool. So I can target them. Oh, that's, boy. I mean, that's one of, like, the really, really, like, men, I mean, honestly, men should have to watch this series. Like, women, like, we know. Mm-hmm. But, like, to see the really stark difference between the two ways that the victims are treated like first by these like dumbass dude cops not that like a dude cop mm-hmm. can be great at treating rape victims um but like they had zero yeah, look they at had Elliot Stabler, zero training a man who doesn't actually in exist. how to handle yeah. something like this um and didn't seek help either <laughs> um right. and then so then to see the stark difference between that and these two other women who have a lot of experience in dealing with these cases and really handle it in a such a different way like is just like everybody should have to see that yeah Mm. anyway that's my recommendation for this episode I didn't even like mean to start watching it I just can't stop now oh wow that's that's a very strong endorsement. I was just like, especially from you, who yeah, like doesn't exactly watch much other exactly than like <laughs> like I just was like wanting to watch something before bed one night, and it was like there, like Netflix. It was you know when they put up something like right on top of the screen. So I was yeah. like, okay, sure, like I'll just you know hit play and kind of like zone out. But I hit play and zoned in so hard, <laughs> and, like stayed up too late watching it. Like <laughs> wow, so that's how good it is. Yeah. Um, I, my recommendation, I have two. One of which is Fosse Verdon, which finally was added to Hulu. It's a miniseries starring Sam Rockwell and Michelle fucking Williams, who is absolutely incredible as Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon. Truly fantastic. Okay. So good. I mean, I have, well, I have a question. every time, and, and Joey said this too, like every time Michelle Williams is on screen, it's like, 
incredible. And then when she's not, it's like, I liked that, bring that back, do her again, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. It's really good. Not enough dancing, but that was like, that was kind of my question. Yeah. I mean, there still is plenty of dance in it. Um, but it's just, it's such a, you know, for so long, we've gotten all of these biopics about, uh, you know, these genius men, you know, whether they were assholes or not. Um, and so rarely get to see the long suffering women who enabled their careers and were their creative partners, if not the ones doing most or all of the work, you know, and so to be able to, to see something where you do get to see both sides of that equation and, and the heartbreak of how much Gwen Verdon gave up for him um, in order for him to, you know, achieve his goals uh, it's it, truly heartbreaking because she was clearly the more talented one of the two, but whatever. Uh, Michelle Williams is incredible. Give her all of the awards, all of the parts. And then my other recommendation is my forever recommendation of Designing Women, which I'm now on like the sixth season after like two weeks of binge watching. It's so good. It's like, uh, it's just so good and so... As infuriating as it is to see that we're still dealing with so many of these issues 25 years later, um, it's also like very comforting just to see women on screen talking about this stuff and being funny and smart and stupid and goofy and gross and weird and just what a great show. Now available on Hulu. Oh, Hulu's really doing it for you this time, huh? Yeah, shockingly, because I don't usually watch Hulu that much so they're really earning their seven dollars this month I like I I am poor so I went through and like saw looked at what I could cancel and like Mm -hmm. that Hulu was like one of the ones I looked at and but they attached it to Spotify now so like I pay (sighs) so little for those two services I was like oh I can't cancel they did that promotion for a limited time and I you can't still do it no, because I had oh, bundled no. mine, and then uh, when I ran out of money because somebody that I worked for totally fucked me over, um, my Spotify account was suspended, and then when I reinstated it, I couldn't that sucks also do Hulu, so, so now bad. I have to pay for them separately. Yeah, it does suck. I mean, it's, you know, I can't, be- I can't believe they bundled was... it together. It's like, too, like it's yeah. so cheap. I, how did they even do that? No, I even, I asked somebody who worked for Spotify, I was like, what is their business like their business model exactly how are they making money i don't understand this because it doesn't like that it doesn't add up that you can pay ten like take out hulu from the equation that you can pay ten dollars a month and listen to anything you want at any time well they don't Um, pay the artists anything i believe they so do a little bit now you know not nearly as much as they should but but that also they just opened this huge office in the New World Trade Center building because they had had offices all over New York, New York City. Like they have so many employees in New York City that they were like located in all of these different locations. And now they're all in one place. Um, That was, you know, God only knows how many millions of dollars. Uh, Yeah, no, it just, and they're, because it's a Swedish company, their benefits are really crazy. Uh, So I just, I don't understand you know, how the money works, but whatever. That's not my problem. Nope. (laughs) But I can't imagine that it will last for very long either. 
Oh, you know what else I finally saw? What? 20, 25 years later, uh, Dante's Peak, which as a 10-year-old, I was like both obsessed with and terrified by volcanoes. So when that movie came out, I like had to go see it. And I got so freaked out by the opening sequence. And then um, there's this scene where this couple is in a hot springs and then it boils them to death. I got so freaked out by that that I like barfed in the aisle of the movie theater. Oh, no. Yeah. But I finally saw it after 22 years. I definitely really liked it in 1999 when I saw it like a hundred times, but I haven't <laughs> seen it since then. I mean, it's okay. I, like Linda Hamilton is in it and they really underutilize what a badass she is, you know? When it's like, but that's peak. fine because the new Terminator movie is coming out soon oh, and I am so, so excited. That. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, It's like peak Pierce Brosnan too. Oh, peak sexy Pierce Brosnan. He's all, like, rugged in it. Yeah, he's really hot in it. Uh, but, it, I mean, it was it was satisfying. You know, it wasn't like, I waited all these years for that. The dog was okay. I was happy about that because I thought that the dog might have died. You know, so, all good things. Anything else? Nah. Okay, well then, that does it for this episode of Wistful Thinking, and that does it for September episodes of Wistful Thinking, or do we have another one? I think this is it. Yeah, which means spooky that times. our next episode starts spooky time. So excited about that. Stay tuned for October for us to get spooky, watch some more horror movies. This is kind of turning into a horror podcast, and I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I feel like we've done more horror movies than anything else, possibly. Because they're more fun to watch than other movies a lot of times. I agree. I agree. So anyway, uh, Jordan, if people wanted to find you, where would they look? I am on Instagram, at JordoPC. And uh, I'm also on Instagram, but don't worry about it. I don't want to be found. Just leave me there. Don't even tell them. Just lie. You're not even on there. I am living under a rock. Okay, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.